Don't want to don't want to break the clock here. I just... I'm Dave Upchurch. Many of you I know. Some of you don't know me, and that's okay. <laughs> but I am a. Uh, uh, I was on the staff here at Grace for nine years, and I've been retired from Grace. Uh, did I get my name? When you do this twice in one day, you start second-guessing yourself. But anyway, Bill knows better than I. But uh, Okay, so anyway, I was on the staff here at Grace uh, up until five years ago, for nine, year, nine years prior to that, and then I retired. And before that, I retired as a public school teacher. And before that, I retired as an Army chaplain. So I'm retired. And, uh, but I'm very glad to be here this morning and to proclaim God's word. Uh, it, it's a marvelous thing that God has given us. Uh, as we come uh, to his word, listen again to what the, what the hymn writer, uh, top lady said um, in the third stanza of that hymn, we just sang. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress, helpless, look to thee for grace. Foul, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to your word. We ask for your help. Please help us to understand our desperate need of you, who created us and made us for yourself. Help us to understand and embrace our separation from you that we might come to you trusting in all that you are and have. Thank you for this, your word. Remove our sin-darkened and blinded eyes that we might see all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 1. A passage that seems a bit out of place, but more on that in a few minutes here. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This is the word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, I love to travel. And one of the fun things on a trip is to, that, that I enjoy anyway, is to go to an art museum. You know, whether it be KU or Kansas City or wherever in the world I might happen to be, art museums can be just a delight to see this world uh, depicted through the eyes of the artists that are there. And one, one of the things that I noticed a few years ago was that whenever there was a display, whenever there was a display of uh, art from the Renaissance or the Middle Ages, this passage uh, was frequently and almost really always depicted. This passage is um, in, these, in these works of art is called the Annunciation, the Announcement to Mary that she's going to have this baby who's, the son, who's going to be the Son of God. Now, I kind of dismiss that for the longest time as well. That's Roman Catholic theology, and I don't agree with that. And that's, you know, this particular part of the veneration of Mary and all. So I just say, so, well, that's part of their deal. It's a beautiful picture, and it's a wonderful depiction of this passage of Scripture. And then I learned something. <laughs> Funny how that works. And that is that one of the feast days in the church, for churches who follow the liturgical calendar, one of the feast days is March the 25th. March the 25th is called the Feast of the Incarnation, the Feast of the Annunciation, and it is nine months before Christmas. Whoa, well, that's interesting. <laughs> The church figured some stuff out that I didn't know. Really? Yeah. And over the centuries, that's been observed because it's so central and so important to who we are as Christians. These artists in these museums, depicted in these museums, are really on to something vitally important to what we believe as, as Christians. So let's look then at this passage, because as soon as I caught that, I read this passage and it just explodes as you look at it. So let's look first of all then at the details 
of Gabriel's announcement. What exactly is it that he said to Mary on this particular day? Now, first of all, and that's because when we look at the details, then the importance of them and the application of them becomes important. Then we can see it and understand it. So let's look at the details first. First of all, as an angel, all right? Now, we have to get out of our noggins all this stuff about angels that we see, that we think about when we hear the word angel, because what this is is something really profound and deep and important, because this is a message, a messenger from the eternal throne of God. Gabriel is the messenger who's come to this young woman. In other words, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, messenger, and, and Jacob sent a messenger to her. And she recognized this. She knew this, who this was. She knew that this was an angel from her shepherd and judge there in the room with her. A supernatural visitation a supernatural visitation from the God of her fathers, just like it had been to her cousin Elizabeth, and just like Mary would learn to her future husband Joseph. Gabriel came to them and made this announcement. In other words, the very presence of this messenger, of this angel, showed her that something about her life was about to change in very important ways. The angel next tells Mary of her role in the eternal plan to redeem God's people. Her life is going to be part of this plan. And she, under, she knew that, even though she didn't fully understand it yet, she knew that's what was going on. Because of the way this angel spoke to her, the, the language he chose to tell her about these things, the throne of his father David. If you look at the, at the passage at the beginning of verse 26, it's the throne of his father David. The house of Jacob forever. The most high God. He will be great. And that word great is applied to God only. He will be great, her son will be. The Holy Spirit, the power of the most high, no end to his kingdom. All of these things just flow out of Gabriel's mouth and into Mary's ears in a way that she gets it. And she gets it because she was a child of her religion. She knew the scriptures. She didn't understand all the implications of it, of all of these terms that just spilled out in front of her. But she knew that this is the way that God had been dealing with her people for all of these centuries. This is the language and the promise and the hope that they all had over those years that, since Abraham. Since Abraham made that promise in Genesis that was recorded in Genesis 12, where God told Abraham, through you, all the peoples of the world will be blessed. All the nations of the world will be blessed through you. And this is, she's going, oh, oh, 
She must have, even though that's not recorded, don't you think that's what she said? Oh. The eternal reign of David's heir over Jacob's house. She was expecting it, and now Gabriel was telling her about it. And one other thing Gabriel does as he speaks to her, he tells her the name of this baby. You will call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. That's what he told Joseph, remember? Because see, Mary and Joseph both knew their Aramaic or their Hebrew here. <laughs> that was their language. And they knew that this name Jesus means Savior, salvation. That's what's going on here. Now with Mary, as we, as we look at all these details, we also learn that it's not only fulfillment and hope and promise and all these things of deliverance, but also that it's a Trinitarian plan that God is going to work to save his people. Verse 30, he says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. God the Father. And then later on, verse 32, Jesus, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And again, that's who Jesus is. And then down on later in verse 35, and the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit is going to do this work. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in this work, in this conception, in this birth nine months later. The child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Now, Mary knew where babies come from. <laughs> How can this be? She asked Gabriel. I've, I've not known a man. I'm a virgin. How can this be? And at this point, the Holy Spirit reassures her because she's badly in need of reassurance at this point. And he says, the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will do his work in you. And this overshadowing is the same kind of language as in Genesis chapter 1 when the, when the world is created by the Spirit hovering over the face of the deep. That's what's going on here. It's a miraculous conception by the power of God. Or as John phrased it in John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. A great mystery yet true, the incarnation of the eternal Son, the Trinitarian plan to save a people, is going to be fulfilled through the womb of a young Nazarene girl. No wonder Gabriel began his announcement with, do not be afraid, because there was plenty to be afraid of at this point.
Well, all right, now that's, that's the details of his announcement, but all of this, this rich language and, and expression. Well, what does it mean, though? Okay, now we've already begun to look at what it means. You can't avoid that. But this supernatural work is very important for us to get a grip on. That, that the meaning of this is it is the incarnation, the eternal son becoming a man in the flesh, fully God, fully man. That's what happens in this miracle. It is not something that human beings could accomplish. This is a work of God. And it's not merely a symbol of some nice spiritual thing like you might read in a Hallmark greeting card or something. It, it, it really happened. God stepped into space and time and worked a miracle in Mary. The incarnation through the virginal conception is not of human means or origin and it points to the deity of the Son and the humanity of the Son, both at the same time. Fully God, fully man is the one who worked our salvation. Now clearly, the incarnation is necessary, was necessary. Well, how do you conclude that? Well, because God does not come from all eternity into his creation for no good reason. <laughs> it's that simple. He did it because he needed to do it to win us, to deliver us from the wrath we deserve. In you, he promised Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Jesus will save his people from their sins. That's the significance of the incarnation. The Holy Son of the Most High, Savior of his people, will reign forever, he tells Mary. And she will learn more about her son later on in life. She still doesn't fully understand it. And she will learn some of the things that we've learned from the other parts of the scripture about this incarnate son. In, in Hebrews chapter 4, right at the very end of that chapter, um, the writer tells us, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Oh, oh yeah, Mary. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. See, right there is the, the meaning of the incarnation, right there in, that, in those couple of verses, isn't it? That he came for us, that he won us, that he sympathizes with us, that he bore our sin. Look at, look at 1 Peter 2. That's the writer of Hebrews. Uh, the apostle Peter says a similar kind of thing in Peter, 1 Peter 2, where he says this. Invert down at verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And then the Apostle Paul in Philippians. Philippians 2 a passage that should just come to mind readily, but, but doesn't sometimes. 
Down at verse 5, he says, Paul tells us this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. See, it all fits together. And as we look at these details of Gabriel's announcement, as we understand the meaning of them, one of the things we come away with is the centrality of the incarnation to our religion, to all we believe about the Lord Jesus. The incarnation is right at the heart of it. Now, the Apostle Paul, in a different context in 1 Corinthians 15, said of the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension to heaven, if Jesus has not been raised, we are all men most to be pitied because our faith is in vain. In a different context, we could see, say the same thing is true about the incarnation. If this didn't happen the way Gabriel said it happened, then our faith is in vain and our hope is in vain. The holy, sinless Son of Mary, the glorious work of the Holy Trinity, came to pay for my sin and for your sin. So that's the significance, the meaning of Gabriel's announcement. This announcement demands then, it demands from us a response. You can't just let it lie there. Oh yeah, that was an angel, he made this announcement, great. You know, let's drive on. No, it, we, it's so deep and so central to what we believe. It's, we've got to do something with it. And that's what Mary knew. Mary knew that if God did not become a man through the virginal conception, then we are to be pitied. And that Jesus' death did not pay for Mary's sins and ours. The sinless Lamb of God took our sin. Did he? Did he? We don't begin to understand the mystery or the necessity of it, how it worked. All we know is the scripture teaches us, our Savior teaches us that it did, and this is the way he did it. Because the scripture truly teaches that Major Gabriel's message was indeed true. It really happened that way. So what do I do with it? What do I do with what Gabriel told her? If you've never come to Jesus, come to Jesus now. The God who created us and gave us life came for us. The wrath of God rests on all who don't belong to Jesus. Because we fail God. We're, rebel, we're rebels against him. We must come to him. What did Top Lady say in that hymn? Naked came to thee for dress. Simply to thy cross I cling 
That's the response to this message. If you've never done that, consider, consider that you must. Consider that that's the only way to become right with God is through listening to Gabriel. It's, it's the only way to know him. So come to him and ask him, teach me, show me. I throw myself on you. I know that I need you because I can't do it myself. I cannot lift myself up to God. He has come down for me. And if you know that, if you have had that experience and know the truth of it, whatever your experience might have been, if you know the truth of it and you rest on that truth, praise God for it. Praise him daily for it. Thank him for what our Savior has done for us. Look what Mary's response was. Verse 38, I love this. She says, let it be to me according to your word. Boy, at this point, she badly needed some reassurance from Gabriel. At this point, she knew that this, this is just beyond her. It's overwhelming. And so Gabriel, in so many words, said, God is going to take care of this. You know your Bible. You've heard these phrases. You know the promises. This is what's going to happen. The favored one, Mary, knew in her heart and soul that God would provide. So that's how she could say that. She knew in full assurance that whatever all of this eventually meant, Gabriel was speaking God's words to her, even as he had spoken through Moses and the prophets. As a child of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Mary saw God's plan unfolding just as he had promised it. And so she leaned, she leaned on those truths. Oh, be it me according to your word. Not just Gabriel's word, but the word of God and Moses and the prophets. She leaned on those truths. As Luke tells us later on, she treasured them in her heart. And that's how she lived. Can there be for each of us any greater assurance of God's work in our life and love for us than the incarnation? God doesn't come from all eternity for no good reason. And the fact, the truth, the time and space history of this event is our assurance of God's sovereign plan for his people. And his people are all who cast themselves on him and trust on him for their salvation. How vast is the mercy and love of our God that he should come in the flesh. We must lean on that. Behold the power of God by the Spirit of the Most High doing this work. Nothing will be impossible with God. Instead of doubting that neither God nor anyone for, for, could forgive your sin, we must look to Gabriel and what he told her that God had provided. Instead of trying to make ourselves worthy, 
Just looking at this passage, there's no way we can be worthy of this work. No way. Instead of trying to make ourselves worthy, we lean on these truths and we rest in them. Instead of fearing, is there anything I need to be forgiven of that I've forgotten? God has taken care of it. God is greater than that sin. God took it on himself through the eternal son. In the midst of problems and confusion, and look at Mary, I mean problems and confusion. Instead, of, in the midst of our problems, can we not entrust those burdens, even as Mary did, to such a savior? Can there be any situation you or I face that's so overwhelming that the eternal incarnate son cannot provide? Of course not. Confu Mary was confused, troubled, fearful, yet let it be to me according to your word. Wow. What God has done for us. Oh Lord, help me to know and trust in such a God whose will I can also completely trust. This message should give us confidence to proclaim along with the Lord's earthly mother, let it be to me according to your perfect will as it's revealed in your word. Because of this message and this work of our Savior, even though I am, I should never be overwhelmed. But when I am overwhelmed, I return to this God who came for me and for his promises that he keeps, who lived among us and understands and knows the temptations we daily face. And I lean on him because nothing is impossible for the incarnate Savior. March the 25th. I think we ought to teach our kids that date too. We rightly teach them that the 25th of December is Jesus' birthday. That's when the incarnate son announced on March 25th emerged into this world of sin and darkness from the womb of this young woman. Let's teach them that too. Let's remember that too. Um, There are two feast days in the liturgical calendar that, that therefore we at least need to remember these two. The Feast of the Incarnation and the Feast of the Nativity. May our God help us always to remember in some way Gabriel's marvelous announcement to the Virgin Mary. You will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are so faithful to us. We marvel at the work that you do in our lives and that you have done. We wonder at it so often, not understanding why or how or the way this happened, but we delight and marvel that though we bring nothing to you, you give everything to us by the, the sacrifice of your son on that cross. 
the eternal Son of God. And so, our Father, we with, with, with boldness, because you sh- dem- pro- demonstrated so clearly your love for us, with boldness we enter the throne room to ask for your help and to praise you for all that you are. We ask you to help especially our sister Janelle Slater, who's suffering and has suffered so long in, in the isolation of her cancer. Please strengthen Gary and give him continued patience as he waits on her and helps her through this time. And we know of others who are sick and are needing our, our prayers. Help us to remember to pray for them and to have confidence in your good work in each of their lives. Even as you give them life, please give them health. And we pray for our search committee. Even as we thank you for the work they've done so far and they've asked us for our our prayers, help us to remember to give them always. Please give them wisdom and perseverance and patience to find the man whom you are calling to this pulpit. Thank you for the confidence you, you give us through this work that you are also accomplishing. And please help our elders, help our session as they go forward too and the decisions that they make over these these next months. In connection with all of this, give them wisdom and help and strength even as they begin a new phase in the life of our church. And as we ask for help in all these things, we are so delighted in the birth of yet another grandchild to Bill and Karen. Thank you for Gracie's baby, Olivia Ann that you've brought her into your covenant of grace. And so we pray for that child's soul that you will bring her at the right time to love and serve you with her whole heart. Our Father, we thank you. We thank you that you desire our prayers. We thank you that because of your son, we dare to make them. And so for that, we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.